With COVID-19 around, telehealth lets you see your physician while keeping you safe at home. If you have questions, we're here to help. Stay safe, take care of each other, and use telehealth. We're UHA Health. Aloha and welcome to UHA's Connecting the Dots podcast. I'm Kaino Carlson of High Now, and today we'll be connecting the dots with some of UHA's doctors and other guests on various health and wellness topics and tips. Connecting the Dots starts now. Today we're connecting the dots on the well-being equalizer with Michael Story. He is a senior workplace wellness advisor, and Michael has been with UHA Health Insurance since 2019. As a member of UHA's WorkWell team, he introduces workplace wellness solutions to organizations throughout Hawaii. You might even recognize him as our moderator for UHA's Work Life Reimagined webinar series, where he discusses topics such as the impact of employee experience and customer experience, navigating burnout, and more. Very important topics there. Michael's passionate about improving employee wellness and helping employers support them through sustainable programs. We're proud to have Michael join me in hosting the Connecting the Dots podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Michael, and I know you'll be here for future podcasts to come, so we're very excited. Hi, Kainoa. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Now, Michael, when we think about what it means to be healthy, we think of work-life balance. That's an obvious one. Maintaining a healthy diet and exercise, but what does well-being mean to you? Yeah, you know, for me, well-being means feeling good in all in all aspects of life, Kainoa. Um, I actually look at eight different dimensions. Um, for example, work, you know, having a job that fills me or the physical dimension. And I put into that category exercise, nutrition, sleep, social well-being as well. So connecting and building relationships with others or emotional you know, managing stressful levels and just coping with life in general, or my spiritual dimension. Um, do I have a sense of purpose and meaning in life? A financial, am I satisfied with my current and future financial situations? Um, intellectual is one. You know, I always want to try to expand my knowledge and skills personally and professionally. And environmental, um, you know, living in a built environment that um, I can try to make the best it can possibly be and making sure it provides those minimum basic needs for me. And so um, that's what I look at and what I think about for me uh, when it comes to well-being is I want to try to feel good in these eight different dimensions of my life. Yeah, and you really kind of covered all the surfaces of what people are going through day to day, right? Emotional, spiritual, financial, intellectual. Right. Um, can all of these different aspects of well-being be maintained at 100% of the time with so much going on? <laughs> uh, not by me. Uh, okay, no, uh, you know, th it, that's a really good question. Um, it's one that I've, I've pondered uh, and researched uh, to help my thinking. Uh, I've yet to find a cohesive document, really, that satisfies my curiosity um, on that question. Um, what I have to draw from are my own experiences and experiences of others that I talk to about the question, right? To me, well-being is this very fluid thing. It's dynamic. Um, I liken it to the graphic of a music equalizer, hence the name well-being equalizer, um, well-being is, is like an orchestra, or, or better yet, I could give the example of a symphony. 
Um, you know, similar to the different sections of an orchestra, you would have the strings, percussions, brass, woodwinds. There are also different sections or what I call dimensions of well-being that we just went over, work, physical, social, spiritual, financial, you know. But for an orchestra, it creates a symphony, right? The symphony is a, it's a, it's a musical composition of the full orchestra and all the sections. It's this immersive and multi-layered ever-changing music. Uh, it's beautiful and it's controlled by a director or what they may call a maestro. Really, well-being is it's no different. It's a composition of all these wellness dimensions. Um, it's immersive. It's multi-layered. It's ever-changing. And the person themselves, Kainoa, is the director. I like that. And, and Michael, with, with so much happening, how do you know when a specific area of well-being needs more attention? What are the, the signs and the things to look out for? Well, you need to measure um, because really um, often symptoms are silent. Um, so you don't know. You don't always know. So really the first thing I would tell everyone is believe, believe that a specific area of wellness always needs more attention. Um, understanding the different dimensions of wellness is really important, uh, you know, so you can continually check in with yourself on each of these dimensions on a regular basis. Uh, in business, for example, you may hear the phrase, what's measured is managed. Um, that's no different for well-being, honestly. Um, for those of you who don't know that saying or that phrase, um, in, in a business setting, you know, a company may make and sell widgets. Um, they most likely track the sale of the widgets. If they didn't measure the sales of the widgets, they wouldn't know how many to produce. And if they produced too many and didn't sell enough, they may go out of business, right? But if you measure how many widgets you do sell, you can pivot to the demand and have a much better chance to be successful. Well, in this case, an example, well-being is no different. And I could use financial wellness, as an example, for me personally to be successful, I manage my bank accounts by checking my transaction in my accounts every other day. If I didn't measure how much I was spending based on the paychecks that were coming in, I'd likely overdraft and not have enough money. So I think a lot of us know, would do by that. checking my, <laughs> no, yeah. And it wasn't until recently that I started to do it. But by checking my accounts every other day, I'm measuring my cash flow to make sure I have enough money for my lifestyle. So, you know, in short, you need to develop a measure for each area of wellness um, that makes sense to you and that can help you live as healthfully as possible. Now, Michael, you're somebody who's uh, well-versed in kind of what it takes to be in this, this space of a healthy well-being um, can you share a personal story where a certain aspect of your well-being maybe wasn't as high as you wanted it to be? And, and how did you change that? How did you fix that? Uh, yeah, I, I, have, I have lots of personal examples, Kainoa. Uh, so many people do. Um, one thing I would say, though, before maybe I share one is um, so often when a change is made to live a healthier life, there is a significant event that has to happen, which causes that person to change. Uh, and it's no different for me, even though I'm in this area, um, that is still what really kicks in a change for me. Um, you know, the one area I can share that affected me was in my social well-being. Um, 
I'm a, I'm a family man. I'm, I'm a proud family man. I always put my family first, uh, always. And so when you see me maybe playing at the beach with my kids, I have two wonderful, beautiful daughters, uh, or maybe uh, at dinner with my wife, um, I'll have a smile on my face. I'm having a good time. And that's very genuine. Um, we have great relationships. My unconditional love for them is so authentic. But inside, in the past, I used to have this canyon full of guilt. Uh, and it stemmed from the lack of connection with my parents. I hadn't made the effort to routinely connect with them. And this, it, it, just, it just ate away at me. Uh, and I didn't realize it um, to a point where, and, and you know, I still can't explain it, but I, I think, I think kind of I purposely didn't call them because of the shame I felt for not calling them in the past, if that even makes sense. Um, but to make a long story short, COVID hit, significant event. Since the beginning of the shutdown, uh, my family and I, every Sunday at 4 p.m., have a video call with my parents. I'm getting chicken skin just talking about it. Um, I don't know how to explain the immense weight I felt coming off of my shoulders when I started to connect with my parents on a regular basis again. I felt so good inside. And today that canyon of guilt, it's completely washed away. Um, and you know, I, I walk a little lighter now because of it. I'm glad to hear that story, Michael. And I, I, I think you're totally right in the sense that um, while COVID impacted so much of every facet of everybody's life, uh, it was kind of a grounding in a sense of kind of bringing us back to what's important. So that's awesome that you guys continue to do that every Sunday. But as we know, mm -hmm. uh, any kind of change is difficult, whether it's physical, whether it's uh, psychological, emotionally, change is always difficult, change is always hard. So what advice would you give to someone who is maybe just starting their own personal journey, uh, trying to get to a better space uh, of well-being? Yeah, you're right, Kaino. A change uh, can always be hard. Um, I would actually suggest some books to read. Uh, there's actually two books that help enlighten me, uh, and I'd recommend these for others. The first book is called Tiny Habits by B.J. Fogg, and uh, the second one is called No Sweat by Michelle Seeger. In fact, I think uh, we had her on the podcast as a guest a little while ago. Um, but Tiny Habits, it's all about mindset. Uh, it focuses on building tiny habits, uh, right? It, setting very small goals for yourself, um, ones that you can easily accomplish every day and building those into habits. And it's like this snowball effect, right? Once you've accomplished one small habit, uh, you go on to the next and you go on to the next and you build confidence and a mindset that you can achieve what you set out to do. That's sort of the gist of the book. Uh, the other book, No Sweat by Michelle Seeger, it's different. It comes from the perspective that um, it's a process of self-care. So it comes from the perspective that life is really busy. And to have the greatest success, you need to shift your mindset from a motivational goal mindset to a learning goal mindset. And I'll, I'll give an example in a little bit. But Really, the objective, if, the, if your objective is, for example, to, to maintain consistent I know, physical movement for a lifetime, you need to appreciate um, that you're in an actual learning process and become comfortable using these life strategies 
that help you find ways to be you know, resilient and successful in the face of many challenges that never stop arising and always will uh, to your ongoing pursuit of a lifetime of being happy, healthy, and fit. You know, and so when you take a complex task like a physical activity and you place it into an environment that's dynamic like daily life, having a learning perspective is key for an optimal outcome. And what do I mean by that? Here's the example. When people focus on achieving a specific motivational goal, like losing 10 pounds of weight, with a new complex behavior, like sustaining um, a physically active lifestyle, it, it leads to what uh, researchers call this tunnel vision and an overfocus on reaching the goal instead of learning the skills required to not only reach that goal in the first place, but better yet, sustain it for a lifetime. You know, there, there, there are strategies to use to help people who are, who are starting their journey to well-being, um, and they're really simple. Uh, you know, perhaps we could discuss that on a, on a later podcast. Uh, but I guess to close it out, there's, there's one thing I would always tell people as they are going through this process is do not judge yourself. Uh, give yourself grace. Um, sustainable behavior change is, is, is a long process. Absolutely. And what advice do you have uh, to give to someone who is maybe, maybe struggling to balance that well-being? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's funny when, when you say balance, uh, honestly, the first thing that pops into my mind is when I was young elementary school and that recess bell would ring and I would run out to the playground and I would jump on the teeter-totter or the seesaw with my friend, right? And we'd go up and down, up and down. That's sort of this visual I have when somebody says balance, but it's really apt um, for this point. Uh, and the reason is, is because, uh, you know, by the end of recess, before we had to go back in, oftentimes my friends would gather around as well. And we would sort of try to put equal late, equal weights on each side of that teeter-totter, right, to balance it out so it was perfectly even. And we were always successful doing it, but that balance was really precarious, if you will. And so I think well-being itself is more unstable. You know, it's always changing. So don't think you need to find balance or the state of equilibrium, if you will. Uh, my advice to somebody struggling would be, hey, that's okay. It should be expected. Um, I read a great post kind of that I'd, I'll share, I'll paraphrase it, um, but it was really poignant and um, using exercise as an example, you know, um, what do you do when staying in shape feels harder than ever or you're struggling, like you asked, um, a healthy lifestyle in general is never effortless. And for many of us, especially right now, it feels unusually hard because of all these changes that are going on in our community. Um, so I would say this, um, if this is how you're currently feeling, consider this. If you, if you don't have the capacity for something now, um, consider this a friendly reminder that it's okay to release your grip on it. Uh, you may need to take time to shift more attention to other dimensions of your health. And that is okay. Even though, for example, nutrition and lifestyle behaviors are associated with 
physical health. The reality is all the wellness dimensions are interconnected, right? They're multi-layered. They're like that symphony that we're that we're that we hear. Um, so suppose you're lonely and feeling disconnected from others. You know, your social wellness is being affected. So you're, you're lonely, you're feeling disconnected. Maybe you're going to eat more or drink more to comfort yourself. And this may negatively affect your physical health. And maybe that might lead to feeling anxiety or anger, which challenges your emotional health. You know, so in this case specifically, if you're feeling lonely and disconnected, maybe taking more time to connect with people who care about you, um, even if it's remote, um, it might mean less time for other wellness activities, but that's okay. Um, you know, ultimately, it could provide a bigger benefit to your overall well-being. So always remember, um, recognize how dynamic well-being is, and, and, and don't go it alone. Reach out, seek help, right? We're creatures of, of a community. Uh, connecting with a healthy community that shares like desires and has similar values is important for this reason. Um, some people find this at church, maybe a training group, a hiking club, a Toastmasters program, um, even a DIY workshop at your local Home Depot. Yeah, and I, I, I loved what you said because it is this constant, uh, this constant balance and uh, really mm -hmm. those communities that you talk about, uh, they're available and they, do such a tremendous job of, of inclusion. I mean, just real quick example, I started working out recently for my own physical health um, at this mm -hmm. place called F45. But what's great about it is they yeah. only do uh, classes. There's no, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's not a situation where anyone comes in and kind of works out alone. So that that part you were saying it's about- the support group for you. Yeah, it, it's important and, and the support is overwhelming uh, and you can always feel it. So I love that. Um, yeah. Talk about some of the other awesome. different tools uh, that people can use to track the different buckets of well-being. Yeah, um, you know, there's so many, there's so many different ways to track. Um, and, and as you're tracking and measuring, you'll find out what works best for you. Um, it's really individual. You know, some, so some examples I could give you now for what, for what I do. Um, maybe we'll take, you know, the physical side of it when I talk about movement um, or sleep. Right? I have activity trackers. I have an iPhone. I'm a bit of a biohack uh, myself, I'll, so I'll use my Apple Watch as well um, to track. Uh, I have, I have sleep, sleep trackers, so I have this ring. It's called an Aura ring. Um, I also have a CPAP machine, um, and it does a good job for measuring the quality of sleep. You know, like I said, on the financial side, I already gave that example of how I tracked it. I regularly go over my, my bank account transactions. But look, at there's other, there, there's other areas or other dimensions of, of well-being, um, like work or social, that, that are a little bit more philosophical. And so with those, I actually sit and I, I reflect on my own personal values or my desires, my beliefs, my inspirations. And I take those and I overlay what I do at work. And I, and I simply ask myself, are they congruent, right? Or maybe for the social well-being, um, I think about my family and friends and, and I reflect on, you know, the last time I talked to them in our previous conversations. So if I haven't connected with someone recently, 
I'll reach out and ask how they are, or, or maybe I'll follow up with someone about a comment they made on a more recent conversation that we had. You know, there's always a tool. Uh, you just have to figure out what works, what works best for you. Definitely. What can living a balanced life do for someone? Uh, this is a really long answer. Um, boy, I, uh, I guess I would come at it from this perspective. Everyone's different. Um, and I wouldn't project on what it does for me to somebody else. Um, but I, maybe I could share a personal story. Um, it's one that uh, today I, I still think back on and um, I'm very proud of. Um, there was a point in my life kind of where, where I, I didn't manage my finances. I mean, I was scared kind of to walk to the mailbox and open it up to see the bills that were inside. Uh, I'll never forget the feeling. I'm getting it now just talking about it. And I think uh, a right? lot of and people have had that same feeling. It's, it's, it's awful. Um, it's absolutely awful. Um, you know, I was at a point in my life where, where I wasn't managing my finances. I, I wasn't nurturing my social connections. Um, I didn't pay attention to what I ate. Uh, I wasn't purposeful about my movement. And, 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 I, and I didn't like my job. Um, it became a vicious cycle, right? Um, and because of these lifestyle habits, I felt constantly stressed. I was anxious. I wasn't sleeping well. I was grouchy. As, as I reflect back on it now, um, I saw myself pulling away, pulling inwards. Uh, and honestly, I think I was scared. Uh, I was uncertain about the future. I lacked confidence. I didn't believe in myself. Um, kind of, I was just trying to make it day to day and paycheck to paycheck. How this vicious cycle stopped is a story too long for the podcast, but again, there was a defining moment in my life. Um, and look at all at once, because of that moment, I, I ripped off the Band-Aid. Uh, I went to the doctor, I got my lab work done, uh, I went for a sleep test, I participated in this lifestyle program called the Ornish program. Uh, I created a spreadsheet to track all of my finances I ended up quitting my job and that leads me down a path or that led me down a path to where I am today. And, and I continue this journey. Um, every day I consider a new opportunity for me. Every day I try to connect with those people who are important to me. I purposely move now. I have a very nutritious diet. I have a CPAP machine, so I sleep better. I have a job that I love. And, and not only do I have my day-to-day -day finances under control, but I have a plan in place. Uh, I'm happier. Uh, I laugh more. I feel closer to my family. Um, I know how to handle stressful situations when they arise, because they they're, they're always going to, but, but I'm not as anxious. And um, you know what it is, Kainoa? Uh, I, I think I, I feel... I feel true, true joy. And, and that's what it's done for me. Um, I know it can do for others as well. Uh, as, as they say, joy is an inside job. You know, I, I, I don't know who to attribute that quote to, but, but it's one of my favorites. Um, but let me be really clear too in that personal story. Uh, that didn't happen overnight. Um, that took years. That took years to shed um, and to change and to get to this point. And to this day, I still have struggles. 
Uh, and that's life, right? But, but in general, I feel more prepared and more positive about each day. And, and that's a fantastic mindset to have. And true joy is always this constant journey. And I love that, um, yep. that, that analogy of running out and going on the seesaw the, and, and finding that balance. <laughs> um, yeah. And as we know, we, we can't get to these places of pure joy and we can't uh, get to the places mentally, emotionally, and spiritually that we want to go without a little bit of help. So, you know, how mm -hmm. do we support a family member or a friend on, on their own personal wellness journey? And how do we be an advocate for them to get to where they want to be? Yeah, um, maybe that's, a, that's, a, that's a great question, because I think everybody always has really good intentions. Um, and it comes from a good place. Um, I think it's a matter of how you deliver it. Uh, so if I could... Uh, say in bold, all caps, underline, italic, the word always, please always be positive, always find their strengths, their beliefs, their desires, their values, tap into that. Never, ever judge, never pressure them. Always, always encourage. Uh, you know, a well-being formula kind of that works for you and may work for me may not work for another. And actually, a really good example of this is one I can use with my sister. This is great. In fact, we were just talking about it the other day, and she sort of slapped my hand, right? I like to bike. I like to swim. I like to surf. Sometimes I, I run. But moving and, and feeling that wind in my face while I'm breathing really hard and my, my muscles are building up that lactic acid and you're sort of feeling a little bit of pain, man, that makes me feel alive. I just love that feeling. Um, my sister would tell you, uh, if you listen to our phone call, that every morning when she wakes up, she goes for a walk with her dog. You know, she loves that morning air where she is and she watches the sunrise and she sips her coffee. And kind of that's what makes her feel alive. So the learning is, you know, I never want to take that away from her. I, I love her. I don't want to diminish it in any way. I don't want to do that. Um, or maybe I feel that it's not enough exercise. I, I never want to project that onto her. Uh, what is good for me, right? May, what makes me feel alive. I don't want to project that. I always want to celebrate what makes her happy, what fills her soul, and, and what makes her feel alive. And that's really important, meeting them where they are at. Definitely. And as we know, you, you shared a very personal story with your sister, who's, who's a family yeah. member, obviously. But mm -hmm. this is something uh, that you're very well versed in. And, and this is the, the workplace dynamic, the workplace environment. Uh, how can employers support their employees on this wellness journey? Yeah, uh, it's a captured audience, um, so it can be so in, um, it can be so impactful. Uh, actually, again, I there are some books I, I, I would recommend. First of all, um, one of them uh, it was actually recommended. I heard uh, Dave Dunn, the UH uh, athletic director, talk about this in an interview, so I went to read it. Uh, and he was right. It was fantastic. It's called, it's called The Way of the Shepherd. Um, and the second one is called Well-Being at Work. It's written by uh, Gallup, the pollsters. But The Way of the Shepherd, it's, it's super inspirational. It's about this young reporter 
um, who lands an interview with one of the most respected CEOs in America. And during the interview, the CEO shares the secrets that he learned a long time ago from his mentor, who is this professor. And he taught him these seven age-old management principles that are still very relevant and valuable in today's world. And so the, the principles in the book serve as sort of this, this leadership plan. And, and in my view, are at the very heart of building a solid company culture and employee wellness. Uh, the second book written by Dallup called Wellbeing at Work, I literally just finished it the other day. It's a super thought-provoking book. Um, it details how, how leaders and managers can build you know, resilient and thriving teams. But, but it's based on millions of global interviews, and it, it summons research suggesting that companies should engage in promoting behaviors such as you know all these different dimensions of wellness that we're talking about like exercise and sleep and and they even go as far as recommending that companies should take well-being and use it as a core part of employee reviews which is a wonderful idea um you know a, a company culture you know it it starts with the leader but but it permeates the organization only if managers and supervisors buy into that leader's philosophy, right? And the larger the organization is, the more that holds true. So it's, it's the managers and supervisors who are in daily contact with the frontline employees. It's not the CEO, it's, it's not the executives. So it's, it's the spoken and Oftentimes, the unspoken messages received from the manager or supervisor that the employees will follow. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with you. It, it starts from the top, and it, it's a trickle effect, right? It, it works its way down mm -hmm. as long as they're able to uh, connect with their employees in that way um, and make sure that what everyone's well-being uh, is always taken care of. Uh, we know, mm -hmm. Michael, that you do... Uh, many seminars um, with UHA in which you engage uh, people in this, this type of information. Uh, talk about some of the other programs that UHA offers to help employers and employees deal with this ever-changing <laughs> ever journey of uh, a positive and healthy well-being. Yeah, thank you so much for letting me plug a few things because um, I truly believe in in these different programs. Um, UHA and UHA Workhole, you know, we offer a variety of programs to encourage a healthy life, uh, like our Live Well, Be Well, and our workplace wellness programs. Um, and and I would like to add, we actually recently um, added Active and Fit to our Live Well program. Um, instead of going through everything, what I would like to do is just encourage people to visit uhahealth.com forward slash wellness, and, and they can learn more about everything that we do. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Michael. I can't wait to talk with you again. You're a fantastic co-host, and I know we'll be talking again more in the future. Appreciate the time. Kainoa, thank you so much. You know, it just maybe a, a closing comment for, for some folks to remember, um, and I, I try to live by this, is, you know, eliminating things you love is is not wellness so wellness should feed your soul and make you feel good and so remember this if you want a little dose of wellness just do what makes you feel good
Easy advice. Thank you so much, Michael Story, for helping us connect the dots on the well-being equalizer. Connecting the Dots is a UHA-sponsored podcast. With COVID-19 around, telehealth lets you see your physician while keeping you safe at home. If you have questions, we're here to help. Stay safe, take care of each other, and use telehealth. We're UHA Health. 